What's going on guys? It's me, Stephen Bagel, aka the NB Eagle, your mom's favorite podcast. <gasps> Back by popular demand. We have Alexa Kaiser. We haven't seen her on in the last few episodes. We've had guests like Jake Epstein and Tim Ori join the pod. But Alexa, you are back and you're better than ever. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Haven't been around in a while. Probably scared some listeners that we weren't a thing anymore. I spent a lot of money on that ring, so you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be around for a while. A while, not uh, forever. Forever is a while. Cute. Okay, so we saw the report yesterday regarding speculation that Chris Paul and the Players Union are pushing for an NBA All-Star game this year in March. Typically, they do have an All-Star break schedule. I believe it's March 5th to 10th, where just they get five days off without having to do anything, and they called it the All-Star break, but there was no intentions of having All-Star games and no intentions of announcing All-Stars. It seems like that changed. Alex and me always talked about how can they not at least name All-Stars because so many of them have incentives in the contracts. That, mm-hmm. like, if you get named to an all-star team, you get a bonus million dollars or something like that. Well, and that's their paycheck that we're talking about. And, yeah, these guys are making more money than I can ever imagine. But, like, a million dollars makes a huge difference. Yeah. So, basically, what we did today is the quarter season all-stars. Basically, who, if the all-stars were picked today, who we think are deserving of making the all-star team. And then what we also did was we did six of the next best, basically six replacements, because we always see two or three injury replacements every year for the All-Star team. But I think this year with COVID being a really relevant thing, guys are going to be afraid of contact tracing and being out two weeks if they get exposed, if someone were to test positive. So I think this year's NBA All-Star game is going to be a lot like the Pro Bowl in the aspect of like half the guys just opt out and decide not to do it. Mm-hmm. So we did our 12 All-Stars in each conference and then our next six best. So basically we did 18 guys from each conference, who's deserving, why we think they're deserving, and we go from there. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard And the Blazers win the series. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Bang! It's over. The Bulls. Curry. Way downtown. Bang! Which this is super interesting this year too because of COVID because there are certain guys that would like for sure make the all-star team and this year like they haven't played in games because of the tracing and it's just super interesting to see. Plus I feel like because you have certain typical all-stars sitting out, there's other people that are now getting their chance to shine and making the team. Okay, so let's start with the East. We basically did the same format as the NBA Pixar. While we didn't predict who's going to be voted in as a fan favorite starter, we did do it based off of you have to pick 
two guards and three forwards in the starting lineup, and then two guards, three forwards, and two wild cards on the bench. We did do that for each, con- each conference. So in total, we have four guards, six forwards, two wild cards for each, each conference. And then our next six best, we did just the next six best guys overall. So in the East, it's ironic because the first guard we had locked in was Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. That's over any guard in the East. We said Jalen Brown was the first lock that we thought of. He's averaging 27, 6, and 5, shooting 53, 43, 78 splits. Player efficiency rating is pretty damn good at 26.3. Um, I, there's nothing with Jalen, um, with Jason Tatum missing the past two weeks. Jalen Brown should have won Eastern Conference Player of the Week, but because the Sixers beat the Celtics twice, they gave to Joel Embiid over Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Brown averaged 40 points a game for those four games. Well, he's playing unbelievable. And this is exactly what I was saying before that because you have someone like Jason Tatum out, now you have Jalen Brown, who I feel like, I don't know. I, I, it's Jason Tatum's team. So I feel like it's really cool to see Jalen Brown stepping up to the plate and playing this unbelievable where he was the first person we thought of. The next two guards we had were the two Nets guards, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> While it pained me to put them both on, Harden, because I feel like if you request a trade and intentionally lose for your team and you're tanking the season, I don't think you should be given all-star recognition that year. The same way Jimmy Butler was not when he requested a trade for Minnesota. He came to Philly, and while he was a borderline all-star, maybe he wouldn't have made it anyway. He wasn't even considered because of all the But I think that a Harden situation is even worse. And now that we're talking about both of the Nets guards, I think same with Kyrie because... Oh, Kyrie shouldn't. He doesn't deserve to make it. We did this based off numbers. But I think that it's too... And both of them went out partying without masks. Yes. broke COVID protocol. I think both of them should be punished and not be allowed to participate in the All-Star game. And you know what? But you know they're both going to make it. James Harden is James Harden. I feel like he takes me as someone that's going to go out and party and do whatever he wants and still play well. But Kyrie kind of upsets me because I know us and a lot of people thought that he was originally not playing due to, like, the The riots that happened in D.C. Yeah. And just different things that have gone on. Um, this past year with like racial injustice. So when he wasn't playing and if it was because of that, I was like, you know what? Like I get it. Like he's standing up for something. He always talks about his fans and people that look up to him. But when I found out he was out partying, I was like, like, are you for real that you're so much about being a role model? And they shouldn't be playing right now because of black lives matter during the bubble. Which I think is amazing that he stood up for that. And I think it's really amazing that he also chose to not play that night, that um, everything happened at the Capitol, because I don't think any team should have played that night. But I just don't understand how you can do all of that and then just sit out because you, like, you're partying. Like, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And... I, yeah, I agree. I don't think either of them should be considered for they it. Both, they both got on because of the numbers. Kyrie's averaging yeah. a career-high 29 points, and he's shooting 52-43-95, so he's comfortably in the 50-40-90 club. I know he's only played 10 games, so that could very easily change. But only eight guys have ever been in the 50-40-90 club, and that's a recurring theme in our um, 
in our rankings, yeah. in our all-star predictions so far. So many guys being in that exclusive club, I know obviously over a full season, maybe only one of them get it, if that, given that only eight guys ever have made it. Um, and James Harden averaging 24.6 rebounds, 11 assists leads the league. His shooting splits are okay. Um, when we looked at the numbers of these guys, we had to put everything else aside. I think also looking at it, it's Kyrie and James Harden. Like, I mean, they're going to be voted in. They're going to be voted in. Exactly. Unless, unless you have a lot of people pissed off because of what they did. But I just, yeah. I feel like when you have people playing at this high of a level. Bradley it, Beal or Trey Young? Exactly. I mean, you when have... you have these guys that are playing at such a high level, it is about them playing like all-stars and that's what you're being voted for. And I feel like you might have to just put that other part aside. Now, maybe the perks that they get, maybe the NBA can do something that the perks they get from being an all-star, maybe they could donate that money. I don't know. I think something really should be done because it's not fair, but they also deserve it based off of how they're playing. Oh, fourth guard has only played in 11 games. But that's because his team has also only played in, I believe, 11 games. The Washington Wizards haven't played a game in two weeks up until last night or the night before. So I'm not going to penalize a dude whose whole team is just out because they don't have enough eight guys. So crazy. If you played like six games that Jimmy Butler did and your team played 17 games, then yeah, I'm not going to consider you. Carl Anthony Towns has only played four games and Minnesota's played 15. Yeah. But when Bradley Beal's played in all of his team's games and only played 11 games and all the games are getting postponed, I'm not going to penalize him. Bradley Beal is leading the league in scoring currently, averaging 34.5 points a game. Um, 49-37-87 shooting splits, which that's also pretty close to 50-40-90. Um, 26.64 player efficiency rating is very high. And he's a plus 0.8 on the plus-minus. And given they have the third worst record in the league... I guess that says something about him. Well, it definitely does because when we were looking at all of these stats for the guys, a lot of the guys that are playing well on bad teams, we ultimately looked at it and their plus minus was a minus. Like Russell Westbrook, his teammate, is negative four and a half. Yeah, and, and but some of the guys we looked at it and we're like, you know what, they're playing exceptional, but they're just on a bad team. So that's expected. I think that's impressive. Yeah. We went with the fifth guard as one of our wild cards. We put on Trey Young, who I was a little apprehensive to put him on. He averaged 25. He averaged, he's averaging 25 and 9. The shooting splits are pretty ugly for him. The one thing that did sway me, though, even the true shooting for a guy who's known to be a shooter is pretty ugly at 57.5%. Mm-hmm. But the thing that did end up swaying me was that his plus minus is plus 5.2 for a team that's 500. And if you look Which at, is exactly we didn't look at this, said. but if you look at his plus minus with him off the courts, they're like negative 14 per hundred possessions. Mm-hmm. And he's overall plus 5.2 per game. Which it's like, imagine if he starts playing even better. So Trey Young, I was, as I said, pretty um, apprehensive of putting him on, but the dude's one of the best offensive players in the league. We already know his defenses limitations and yeah. they tried addressing that by surrounding him by guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari and Rajon Rondo. All these guys, Chris Dunn is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. They tried surrounding him to make up for those deficiencies. We did see John Collins call him out and basically say, I'm not running this offense through Trey Young. Like I don't like the way he plays, blah, blah, blah. 
in college, Trey Young's Oklahoma teammates weren't thrilled with the way he played. Yeah. But, but, I, you, but I we think have you a need guy to put that's that so into elite. consideration. Yeah. And what he does. Yeah. So I think when we were discussing it, because we went back and forth with him, um, you had to put him in because when you're so elite at what you're really, really good at, that kind of overweighs all the. I mean, Trey Young's one of the best passers in the league. He's averaging nine assists a game. Like, I understand John Collins' frustration. John Collins was frustrated because he didn't get a contract. He's taking that out on Trey Young. He knows he's going to eat But it. he's also not the only one. Who else? Last year it was an issue with John Collins again, too. But I feel like with Trey Young. Haven't there been other people on his team saying? Oak, in Oak, in college, yes. Not on his current team? It's just John Collins? Last year, Trey Young threw a fit saying, I need help, I need help. They got him the help this summer. And then John Collins is making a stink this year about Oh, I swear it was someone else. But maybe I was thinking of. I mean, you could be right, but if so, it might. It's it could out. also be me just seeing something on Twitter that some person just decides to tweet. Okay. <laughs> Four forwards, easy in the East, that will guarantee Joel Embiid, if the season ended today, probably would win MVP. Sixers are 12-2 and two when he plays, 0-4 when he doesn't play, 9-0 when the entire starting five plays. So it's either Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic for MVP. I don't think it's close. Kevin Durant might be a close third. Kawhi Leonard might be a close third, but... Yeah, I think it's exciting because... I think at times we do have that Sixers bias, <laughs> and we're like, no, yeah, but this like one, it's it's real. I thought I thought it was Sixers bias because I kept saying on Twitter, oh yeah, MB's MVP, MB's MVP, but I follow so many Sixers accounts. Yeah, when I saw like it was like Hoop Central, one of those Twitters posting who's your MVP right now, and I'm looking at the comments and they're all saying, or the and beat or joke it, and beat or joke it, and beat or joke it. I bet Embiid the other day won MVP at plus twelve hundred. He's now plus five fifty. Who's second favorite behind Luca, and he's tied with LeBron. Why would you bet on him? I, you knew I bet on him. You told me to bet on him. You uh-huh. said bet on him, and you bet. You told me to bet Shake Milton when Six Man of the Year. I didn't know you actually were. It's bad luck. You told me to, <sighs> but I got the odds of plus twelve hundred. They now have been more than cut in half. Um. Yeah. If he doesn't win, you can blame the NBA golf. If he doesn't pl- win, it's because he doesn't play enough games or because he's not. He doesn't play the same way he's playing this whole year. I find that hard to believe. He's playing He's playing how he's gotten better. Like, it's so crazy with everything he's dealt with being on the Sixers. And I feel like even mentally, like, he's been through a lot on the team. And he's he looks so great this year. It's it's really crazy watching him because he's always such a dominant player on the floor. But I don't know. Like, he's gotten even more dominant, don't you he's think? He's averaging, over his last four games played, 20 free throw attempts a game, which is just unheard of. Like, yeah. Just, you can't do anything else with that one. Um, the other three forwards were pretty self-evident. Like, they're in my category and no shit all-stars. Like, no shit, they're an all-star. <laughs> um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. who is also very close to 50-40-90. He's shooting 54-48-87. And Jason Tatum, who was out for two weeks because of contact tracing, but he's still averaging 27-7-4 on 47-44-89 splits. He's also almost in 50-40-90. Great player efficiency rating, great plus minus, great two shooting. Kevin Durant, same thing. Even better player efficiency rating, better plus minus, and better true shooting. How is Kevin Durant playing that well off an injury. 
Not just an injury off of two and Achilles. That's yeah. an injury guys don't come back from. I mean, I, we talked about in the pop before. I wasn't convinced just because of what you told me about, well, like... The thing is, so many guys who told their Achilles were big men, like Elden Drans and Bill Walden and Boogie Cousins. Yeah. And Yao Ming had an Achilles injury. He didn't tear his Achilles. Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles, but he was 34 Different. years old at that yeah. point already. Um. Dominique Wilkins did tear his Achilles, and he came back and averaged 29 points a game the following year. He's, he's the I outlier. just, I don't know. I felt like with KD, I think just because he's such a unique player and how he's built, and even though he's not, like, those other guys that you mentioned, like, big like them, I just, I don't know. I was really convinced that it was going to affect his game somehow. That mixed with, like, him being on a new team, all the pressure, whatever. I just – I really thought that it would – we would see some sort of effect on him. Like, I didn't think he was going to be bad, but I just – I didn't think that he was going to be the same player he was before. And he is. Yeah. He's good. He's probably if, third, He's probably second or third in MVP voting right now. Yeah. And that's with the Nets currently being at, I believe, 10 and 8. I mean, he's unreal. Like, that's – he he looks like – you wouldn't even know that anything happened. Yeah. He looks better than ever. Um, he looks happy, too. The fourth guy, well, I hope he's happy. <laughs> yes, the Nets gave away every single thing they have in order to get James Harden as his teammate. Um, as I said, Jason Kane's the fourth no-shit all-star we have on there. Yeah. Um, then our next two forwards that we have to show in – both members currently of the 50-40-90 club. And again, this isn't sustainable. It's only been 14 to 16 games for most of these guys. We're not, we have eight guys on the borderline, if not in 50-40-90 right now. Only eight guys in NBA history have done it. Yeah. You might get one or maybe two because it's a shortened season and there's 10 less games to fuck up your percentages. But that's still difficult to do. Oh, it's extremely difficult to do. That's why only eight guys ever have done it. But we have Chris Middleton, who would make his third straight All-Star team. And at this point... You gotta say is Chris Middleton the most um, underrated dude in the league, making three straight All Star teams? Would you guys like to see Steven do most underrated dudes in the NBA as another podcast? Because I've been telling That's him, so hard to do though. It's really hard to do, but I also think it's very it's opinion based, and I feel like Chris Middleton is one of the people that just I feel like everyone. I don't know. He, I feel like he doesn't get the recognition that because yeah, everyone deserves. says, "Oh, he's not the second best player on the championship team." Giannis can't win with him as his running mate. Like, he is. I get. I like. I mean, the Bucks haven't won, but that's also because of Giannis's deficiencies in playoffs as well. Yeah, it's not just because Chris. Now we have to see with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton what they can do, and the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets and Sixers both look awesome. So it's like. Well, that's Stonewall awesome, but then that's going to be awesome by the time the playoffs. But when a guy's in the 50-40-90 club, and what was he last year? Last year, he missed 50-40-90, I think, by 0.3 percentage off his free throw. I think he shot 89.7. He's not officially in it from last year. You know who was in 50-40-90? Unofficially in it. Drogdon was in 50-40-90, and he was on the Bucs, and the Bucs let him walk. So instead of just trading for Drew Holiday and trading up five first-round picks and everything you have and mortgaging your future to get Drew Holiday – you could have just re-signed Malcolm Brown. Well, we all know that was a big mistake. But you can't go back in time and change anything now. The second guy in the 50-40-90 club that we also put in is first-time All-Star Tobias Harris, who everyone said he's the eighth-highest-paid player in the NBA. Everyone said he's the worst contract in the NBA as well. He was being bashed last year for just how bad that contract was. And, and still bashed by you at times, correct? 
He's shooting 52, 46, 90. I mean, there's... Don't make it sound like you, you're, you like, all in love with Tobias. I now. said I would have traded him in a holding contract, in a holding trade to get off his contract still. That's what I said. Do you still think he has the worst contract in the NBA? No, because look at Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin's averaging 11 points a game. He has two blocks all season. Who wanted Blake Griffin was, on our fantasy team? It was like the 12th and round. And who said no? It was like the 12th round. I would just like to put it out there that Who also I, got Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant and all these other was a, That was a team oh, effort. That was a team effort. No, no. When, when the Blake Griffin thing happened, <laughs> I said, Steven, this is your pick. I'm not getting any credit for this because this is not my decision. And you said... Okay, well, he's Blake Griffin. He's going to be amazing. Yeah, I say he's going to be amazing. That's what I fucking said. The 12th guy we picked, I think this was a pretty easy 12th. We put DeMontis Sabonis, who's been absolutely awesome this year, averaging 21-13 and six assists for a seven-footer. That's not Jokic territory because Jokic's averaging nine and a half assists, but like six assists per game as a big man is pretty impressive. And Ella is balking. She likes the bonus. 54, 32, 69 shooting splits. Um, the only thing that really is a blemish on his resume is he has a negative plus minus, a negative a half. Yeah. But. We had to overlook that, though, from for how well he's playing. You had to. Okay, now we have the next six, which basically would be the first injury replacements in the All-Star game assuming a bunch of guys opt out. The first one we have is Zach Levine, who's been damn good this year. 27 points a game, 5-5, five and five, shooting 50, 38, 87. So he's almost 50, 40, 90. Mm-hmm. With a true shooting percentage of 63.5%, which is great. The only thing is his plus minus is negative 4.5, but the Bulls are freaking bad. Well, they're bad. And when we looked at it, we... Just comparing him to the other guys, we couldn't put him on because of that. That's really just what it came down to. The next guy we put on is Julius Randle. He has the Knicks Mm -hmm. coming to playoff spots. The stupid-ass Knicks who are always terrible. He's averaging 23-11-6. And same thing with Sabonis, a big man averaging six assists a game. He's basically the de facto point guard, the same way Sabonis is. So they're running the offense through him, and it's working. I mean, they're currently a playoff It's definitely team. working. Yeah. I'm so, so happy that he's doing well. It's like about time. I've always had some hope for him, and it's exciting to see. I like when that happens. I still feel like I have no hope for the Knicks, but I, I mean, feel he's, like— He's going to sign somewhere this year and get paid, whether that's by the Knicks, who just drafted Obi Toppin to be his replacements, I mean, or this is the best else. the Knicks has lo- have loved. Yeah. So, but I think that's a big product of Tibbs. They never had a competent coach. Yeah, Tibbs is a very disciplined coach. He gets his guys to play hard and play defense, and that's what they're doing. Well, and their GM changed. GM? Yeah, the yeah. GM is Worldwide West. Used to be Embiid's um, agents, mm-hmm. and yeah, so they have a new regime there. Hopefully, they sell the team and get a new owner because James Dolan's the worst. Yeah, Gordon Hayward is also on this list, averaging twenty-four, five, and four. He's shooting 51, 43, and 87. So he's, if it gets his free throw up a little bit, he's in 50, 40, 90. Everyone bashed the Hornets saying, how are you paying Gordon Hayward who can't stay healthy $120 million? Um, 
You he's have to overpower. He's the one who looks damn good for the amount of times he gets hurt. Yeah. Um, he basically, as we talked about on a few pods ago, the team like the Hornets who are in Charlotte, who's a small market, need to overpay to get guys like Gordon Hayward to go yeah. there. And that's exactly what they did. I just thought they should keep building around the young guards they have in LaMelo and Graham and Rogier and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. They have pieces. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of just keep rebuilding around them. Get another bad pick. Get a top four pick. Get another great guy from this class. Then that could well, be I your still think that's what LaMelo. they should have done. But I agree. And that's why the Golden Halo contract was so bad. It yeah. wasn't just the money. And not only that. They had to wait and stretch Batum, who looks freaking awesome, by the way. He's probably the most underrated storyline in the whole league because he looked washed. Another underrated player. There you go. Stay tuned. <laughs> but they're paying, I think, $14 million a year to Batum for over the next five years to buy him out. So add that 14 mil on top of the 20 or 30 mil they're paying Gordon Hayward each year. So they're paying $44 million a year to have Gordon Hayward on that team. The next guy we have is... Clint Capella, who missed the first few games of the year, but he's been absolutely awesome. He's leading the league in rebounds at 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, player efficiency brings 23.92. Yeah. He's clearly the second best guy on the Hawks and not John Collins. Yeah. And John Collins knows he's getting traded. He knows he's not getting re-signed. He knows he's not going to get the max contract, which he turned down already. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't turn down. He turned down a near max. He said, no, I want the full max. I'm not taking this. So Clint Capella has been absolutely awesome. The fifth guy we have on here is Colin Sexton, who Tim messaged me right after we did the podcast of the 25 under 25 after Colin Sexton and the Cavs beat the Nets back-to-back nights and Sexton dropped 42 and I think 28 or something like that and said, we look like the biggest assholes for not having Colin Sexton on our list. See, I feel like you guys don't <laughs> because I just think that he he's played really well recently. And I do think that clearly that potential and ability is there. But I don't think that you look like total assholes. Well, he's shooting currently 52-46-82. So he's another one. Not 50-40-90, but he's 50-40-80 right now. He's one of the people on our list that I need to see him do it for a longer and the, span of the time. the Cavs are in the playoff spot right now. So, But I still need to see him do it for a longer span of time because you have someone like who else do we have just missing it? Um, Capella, Zach Levine. Like, you have people like that who've played consistently well for years. Mm-hmm. And then you have Gordon Col- Haywood has yeah, been also. Yeah, Gordon. Like, and then you have Colin Sexton who, like, yeah, he's playing really, really well right now. But does that just mean that he's playing really well right now and that's it? Speaking of guys playing really well right now, we kind of cheated when we did this. We did, for our sixth guy, we did two individual guys and put asterisks next to their name saying, if they keep this up, because what they're doing is probably unsustainable, but if they keep it up, then both of these guys should go into all-star consideration. Well, we basically said if they keep this up, yeah, they could actually be all-stars and replace one of the people that we First put in one there. is Seth Curry. Who, Here are all the people chirping. They're Sixers fans. That's why. <laughs> Seth Curry not only is shooting 56% from three, but when Corver made the all-star team the one year as an injury placement, I think he was shooting 48% from three. And again, this has only been 17 games. Corver did it for 50. Yeah, and so I those get, people that are going to say they're Sixers fans, that's why they're saying that. Like 
We Seth understand Curry, it is probably not sustainable that he's going to continue. Seth Curry is also not only shooting 56% from three, he hasn't missed a free throw. He's 19 and 19 for the year. He is leading the league in real plus minus. So out of every single player in the league, he is the best plus on the in the whole league at plus 11.9. So the Sixers are outscoring guys by 12 points a game when he's on the course. And he is the best two shooting in the league. So he's leading the league in two of the analytic darlings stats. In real plus minus and true shooting. He's, Which, the, he's number one in the league in both of them. I feel like you can argue if Seth Perry keeps this up, I think he's not only going to make the all-star team, I think he's one of the best guys playing this year on it. How do you keep that up? I mean, that's unreal shooting 56%. I mean, it's, it's There's 17 no way. games. It's not, it's not I know. sustainable. But can you imagine if he gets even like – even if it drops, I mean, can't, like, if it drops to, like, 50, that's crazy. Yeah. But I think a guy who's in the league of real plus minus and true shooting has to go on a playoff consideration. Yeah. Um, the second guy we put on with an asterisk next to his name is Toronto Raptors center Chris Boucher. He's only playing about 23 minutes a night, but he's averaging 15-7, and he's second in the league in blocks, shooting 57-48-78, with the player efficiency rating at 26.82, which is high, and his true shooting is, I believe, third in the NBA or second in the NBA behind Seth Curry. So mm-hmm. Chris Boucher, we put it with a caveat of, oh, if he plays more minutes. Which then... they are starting to, correct? Slowly? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Aaron Baines, they saw he's not the answer there at center. So Why aren't they like immediately boosting his minutes? I guess they like the role of him coming off the bench. Um, he's a very undisciplined defender. He fouls all the time. Okay. He turns the ball over a little bit too much, which he's a center, so that part's fine. Yeah. But I guess Nick Nurse is still polishing him. They signed him to a $15 million deal out of nowhere, so clearly they saw this outbreak coming. I need to see him play more minutes to give him a real all-star consideration, exactly as you said, because he's kind of similar in a way to like Colin Sexton, who – let me be that like, okay. Um, I need to see him play more minutes because all these other guys are playing double the amount of minutes of, of him yeah. and putting up just as great stats. So it's like, how can you really consider him when he's playing half the amount of time? Yeah. Yeah. So I think overall with our asterisk of Harry and Boucher, that it's really for both of them, just about their sustainability. And I think Boucher specifically, he needs to play some more minutes. Like at least But the, the fact that he's second in the league in blocks and he's averaging fifteen and seven already, like in twenty. Well, you can tonight. also argue that he's only playing that many minutes. So he should be on because of that. Exactly. So there's two sides to it. I see that. That's why I feel like he just needs to play a little bit more, and then you can argue both sides like fully. Okay, guys, I had missing the complete 18-guy list for All-Stars. Bam out of bio because he hasn't been bad, and he's missed a few games. Uh-huh. Jimmy Butler's only played six games this year, so couldn't give it to him. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, who's just been downright terrible. Pascal Siakam, who's been even worse. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Lowry, who the Raptors just haven't been that great overall, and neither has he. Even yeah, though he's made the five like straight we, All-Star teams. But. Yeah, I don't think we could put him on there compared to these other guys. Okay, now let's go out west. 
the four gods were the easiest thing in the world. I literally just wrote them in and then told Alexa, these are the four. And she said, yeah. Um, this is assuming Paul George is considered a god. Paul George, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic. Yeah. You can't argue against any of them. No. The only one is if Paul George isn't a god, but Paul George is currently shooting 50-48-91, so he's 50-40-90. Um, Were there ever brothers in the All-Star game together? Not that I can think of. The Gustav brothers? I don't know, because... It's They're the only possibility. That they were the first ones I thought of because how cool would that be if even if they don't have the game but to be voted in together if Seth it'd Steph be, Curry. It'd be interesting Steph if Steph Curry was the Did you just say Steph if Steph Curry, Curry was the captain? Oh, would yeah. he pick his brother first overall? Because he has no teammates in it. Oh, he one hundred percent would. Well he has to pick the starters first from saying outside of that, would he pick He one hundred percent would. That's his brother. What if it's him and Embiid as the two captains? Embiid's going with his teammate. Seth's going with his brother. Either way, Seth goes. Well, if Tobias' house isn't too, then maybe Embiid would let Steph have his brother and then pick Tobias. But it's Embiid. I think that he would be like, ha. <laughs> um, yeah, the only one that really isn't a bona fide surefire all-star this year is probably Luka Doncic just because of the shooting splits. But even so, he's averaging 27, 9.7, and 9.5. He's Remember averaging triple double. Stuff. I mean, sure. yeah, because Kristaps was out, so he was getting triple teamed all the time. There's nobody else on his team. Even with Kristaps, he's not playing that great. Yeah. But he's shooting 28% from three and 75% from the line, so I wanted to knock him a little bit. Mm-hmm. His plus minus is only 1.2, which for a top five player in the league should be significantly better. Yeah. But his player efficiency rating is still good. He's averaging 0.3 rebounds and 0.5 assists away from a triple-double. I mean – I can only knock him so much. Exactly. Steph- and this is this is us basically saying Luca's not playing as well as he should be. That's crazy to yeah. be averaging that and us saying, like, he's not doing that well. That's kind of like what everyone was saying last year with Embiid. Like, he was, like, definitely not playing like himself. And, like, you look at his stats, he was still great. Yeah. And then Steph Curry and Dame will speak for themselves at this point. Yeah. Um. Four of the forwards were super easy out of the six. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Yep. You have Kawhi also in 50-40-90. That's crazy. Him and Paul George. Imagine if two teammates did that. If two teammates in 50-40-90. And that's why the Clippers right now, the Clippers offense is historically good. They have the best offense in NBA history so far this year. Well, I know that you said it's like the chance of even getting one person in 50-40-90 club like is very rare to happen. But I do feel like this year being a shortened season, I think that we'll see one. And I think there's a small possibility that we see two. But that would be really neat if it was both yeah. of them. And then LeBron, Kawhi or LeBron and Kawhi and LeBron and A D, Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> LeBron and A D both obviously show wins. Yeah. And then Nikola Jokic is probably second MVP voting right now. He's averaging 26, 12 rebounds and nine point six assists as a center which is historic. No center's ever done that. Even yeah. Will, who led the league in assists a few times, averaged 7 or 8. He never averaged 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jokic shooting spits. He's still shooting 56% from the field, 35% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. His player efficiency rating is 31.33, which is higher than Giannis's first MVP season, which is ridiculous. Um, but then after that, we had to say, okay, there's really not that many great guys to choose from for the final two forward spots. Mm-hmm. 
especially from the West where guys like Mike Conley and CJ McCollum had never made all-star teams because of how tough it is to make the all-star team in the West. Mm-hmm. This year it seems different. This year it seems like it's harder to make it in the East. Oh, we definitely struggled more picking in the East than we did in the West. Yeah. I feel like the West had more, as you just said, like the shoe and guys were like, oh yeah, like these guys. And then we were kind of like, oh. We gave it, we gave the other two forward spots to Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. who respect for his defense. He probably got snubbed a few years and then he cried about it, as we know. So to and then prevent he got him COVID from crying, and gave it to everyone in the world. So to prevent him from crying again for not making the all-star team, we put him in. Um, but like, his numbers, I'm not, even gonna bother, I'm not even going to bother reading his numbers because his numbers don't matter. It's his impact on defense and everything else that he does. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you could really do is his defensive rating and his plus minus. His plus minus is 9.1, which is top of the league. Um, we know his defensive acumen. The Jazz have won eight in a row, the third place in the West. So we gave him the nod. Well, yeah, we had to when we saw how well the Jazz are playing. The second fall we, we gave to. it to, we didn't know. We gave it to Christian Wood, who's averaging <laughs> 23 and a half a game, 11 rebounds a game, and shooting 53, 36, 67. Good player efficiency rating. Everyone's going to start chirping again. They're Sixers fans. He's averaging 24 points and 11 rebounds a game. Like, come on. He was someone that I feel like when we were making this list that I don't think either of us said it, but I feel like neither of us wanted to put him on the all-star team because he's Christian Wood. And I feel like we're like, there has to be someone that's better. And there wasn't. But there wasn't. He... We looked at everyone, and yeah, he's just, he's playing better. I think possibly he's another one that maybe going back to what we previously said, we need to see him continue, but he played like this last year. He's playing like this this year. I mean, you got to give him credit. Yeah. He's playing unbelievable. Our final two guys, we picked one more guard and one more forward. Our one guard was Donovan Mitchell. We gave the Jazz a second All-Star again. Yeah. Gobert and Mitchell last year were the first Jazz duo since Stockton and Malone to both make the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. We had them both on again. Jazz won nine in a row, then third place, Stony Mitchell. Start of the season slow. He's picked it up a little bit. We gave him the benefit of the doubts. Twelfth guy. We had to give someone to the dumb fucking Suns. The Suns <laughs> finally might have figured it out with training for Chris Paul. They went eight and on the bubble. They went all in on what they had by adding Chris Paul, adding Jay Crowder, and they've been awesome this year. Mm-hmm. So you had to give them the benefit of the doubt and giving them one all-star. But Chris Paul has been okay. He's been Chris Paul, but he wasn't all NBA second team Chris Paul that we saw last year. Devin Booker's been a train wreck without the ball in his hands now that he has a true point guard with Chris Paul next to him. But we gave it to Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> Which sounds outlandish, like how are you putting Mikael Bridges as a Western Conference All-Star, knowing how difficult it is to make the All-Star team in the West? He's averaging 15-6. and six. Every night, he covers a team's best player, regardless of what position they play. He's a switchable 1-5 through five defender, and he's shooting 51-46-82. And is- Mikael Bridges, I think, similarly to Christian Wood, was someone that we looked at both of them, and we were like, are we really going to put these guys on the all-star team? Like, there's no way comparing this list to the guys in the East. It's like, are we, 
really serious, but it just, we looked at Mikhail Bridges, we compared him to Chris Paul and Devin Booker when narrowing this down. And he was the best. He's playing so well. Devin Booker, we do have on our next six guys who missed it. Um, I mean, he's still averaging 23, 4, and 4 on a bad year, mm-hmm. shooting 47, 34, 82. I mean, the dude still overall is an all-star, but given his play this year, we just couldn't give it to him. Um, the one guy we put with an asterisk in the West, because he should be on our, on our 12 all-stars, is CJ McCollum. Yeah. But he just sustained a serious foot strain in the aspect that it was the same foot he broke twice while he was in college. So they're being super cautious with him. Um, and yeah, so he's out and definitely we don't know when he's going to be back. So because he's made it up to this point as an all-star, given his stats, averaging 27, 4, and 5, shooting 47, 44, 85, um, he's clearly an all-star this year for the first yeah. time. But we need to see when because he comes he's out indefinitely, yeah. we just said, okay, let's put him on the top of our next six. The next guy we have on the... We have the two best guys to ever make an all-star team, CJ McCollum and Mike Conley, both in our next six. Yeah. Mike Conley is having a resurgent year. Al is balking again. He's big Mike Conley fan, big Sabonis fan over here. Yeah, apparently. 16-4-6 this year on 46-42-71 splits. He's the reason behind the Jazz having such a, success, such a successful year so far this year. And we looked at it, too, and we were like, <laughs> we almost put him over Donovan Mitchell over the All Star. No, what we did is we talked about it. We were like, "Are we really going to give the Jazz three All Stars?" And then I said to Stephen, "I was like, Stephen, like, there's no. Has any team had? Yeah, yeah, they have. The Pistons had four a few years ago. I said to Stephen, "We're giving the Nets. The Hawks had four. We're giving years ago. the Nets three All Stars, and those three All Stars are KD, Kyrie, and Harden." Gobert, Donovan, and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are not comparable to those they have a players. Big three. I mean, they do have a big three, but it's not that big three on the Nets. So yeah. we just couldn't give them three All Stars. Okay, the last three guys we have are Kristaps Porzingis, who missed the first few games of the year, but he's averaging twenty points, nine rebounds. Shooting splits are a little down, but. He's having overall a pretty good year, pretty good true shooting percentage. Um, we couldn't give the Mavs two All-Stars because the Mavs are barely in playoffs right now. And that's so, what I came down to with them, too. The last two guys, we have Brandon Ingram, who we gave the nod to over Zion, basically because of his shooting splits, was significantly better than Zion's. Obviously, Zion isn't a shooter. He doesn't shoot threes. Yeah. Brandon Ingram shooting 47, 37, and 85. So we said, okay, well, Pelicans are bad this year. They have like the second or third worst record, in, the third or fourth worst record in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them had negative plus minuses. And yeah, so we just said, we'll give the nod to Brandon Ingram on here, but he didn't do enough to warrant an all-star consideration. No. And then our last guy, we had Shea Gilgis Alexander, who has the OKC Thunder, who was supposed to be hardcore tanking for Cade Cunningham. We're supposed to be by far the worst team in the league, just about. They're seven and nine in the West. Mm-hmm. So Shea has them almost at 500 through a quarter of the season. He's averaging 22, five and six on 51, 37, 79 shooting. So that dude is good. He's still only 22 years old. Um, I also feel like he's another player that we expected him to play even better than that. 
Yeah, I said when I picked him to be most improved player on the um on the predictions pod before the year started, I said he's going to average close to triple double. I mean, well, we he's still doing, averaging twenty two five and six. When but, we when we were doing our draft, we were like, oh yeah, we should take him because he's going to be insane. So I think that's pretty. I want to see what he does the rest of the year too. I'm very interested to see if he like gets even better and goes to this higher level. Yeah, I mean, he has the team that was by far supposed to be the worst team in the league playing 500 basketball in the West. And that's an impressive feat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we covered all our bases. We are anticipating. I did a 16 trade involving JJ Redick and Lonzo Ball. If you want to check that out, follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. You can follow Alexa at Alexa Kaiser. Yes. She has a Sixers Twitter. You can see our, the Sixers record depending what our dog wore during the game that day. You and can also see Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, and the ref talking about Kendall Jenner. The ref fucked her too. <laughs> oh my God, this is our ending this. Okay, that concludes Jesus Christ. Austin Rivers is 25 points and he's shooting 10 to 10 in the second quarter. That's how we're ending the podcast. This concludes this episode of the NBA Eagle Podcast. We review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter, as I said, at the underscore NBA Eagle. Follow Alexa at Alexa Kaiser. And we'll talk to you guys next episode. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.